I had a best subject. Um, actually, I had two, probably like most of you. I had two subjects that I was really good in. The first one was lunch, and the second one was recess. And I, I got to tell you, as a student, that is where I really excelled. Um, so you should be really confident um, in my study abilities and habits knowing that. But there was a tragic day. Um, It was the day that I went from fifth grade to sixth grade because something happened that changed the trajectory of my world forever. This was the day that recess ended. You get your schedule and you know where it's supposed to fall in line and you start reading what classes you have and you notice something is missing. There's not a slot for recess. There, there's not, and for a guy, this is huge because you have got, and it might be big for the girls too, but for the guys, this is huge because you've got to have the time to run outside and burn off steam and if they ever want you to sit in a desk and focus. But recess ended. And I learned something, it was a very important lesson that day that I continued to learn over the course of my life, that as you get older, the time that you're permitted to play decreases, as well as the time you're permitted to rest. Because people expect you to work harder, and to do more, and to produce more, and play less, and rest less. And one day you wake up and there's this realization like, I am going a hundred miles an hour and I don't feel like I can sustain this pace. But the expectation is that I keep going and keep moving forward. God has finished his act of creation. For six days he has pieced together and formed the world through his word. And then Genesis, the writer says, Thus the heavens, verse 1 of chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so there's this day at the end of creation, this seventh day, where God has been creating and creating and dreaming this world, speaking this world into existence. And then he comes to the seventh day and it says he rested. The word in Hebrew is Shabbat. And it means to stop or cease, or rest. So God has created and created and created, and then he stops what he is doing just simply to be. And there's a couple of things that he does in this day. He rests, but then he also looks on this day, and he blesses it, and he makes it holy. And it sounds kind of funny to bless a day, right? We, we bless people. And to bless something in the name of God is to to pray for increase 
an abundance in it, this divine abundance. And to make it holy really just means to set it apart. That this day is going to be different than all the other days of the week. You have seven days in the week, and on the six days you're going to re- or you're going to work, and then on the seventh day you're going to rest. And so God takes this day, He sets it apart, He makes it holy. And this was supposed to be the way the world was supposed to work. And then you have the fall and you have this journey where a man named Abraham leads this group of people. And from Abraham, this new nation begins. And out of Abraham's seed, there's a man named Joseph who finds himself in Egypt with prominence and power. And then a new Pharaoh comes on the scene. And the favor that he looked on Joseph with, this new Pharaoh does not. This new Pharaoh sees Joseph and sees Israel as a threat. And so Israel becomes slaves. And they are restricted to a task, a single task, to make bricks. In Exodus chapter 5, starting in verse 5, Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. So that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. I looked up and lost my place, sorry. I should have played it off like a dramatic pause. (laughs) You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. This is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our gods. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required for you today, each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers. They had appointed demanding Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Why are you not working as you did before? So you could say this, in Israel or in Egypt, Israel's worth, their value was equal to what they produced. Their worth, their value was found in their level of production. If you make enough bricks, everything is okay. 
If you produce what you're supposed to and what you're told, everything will be fine. Your value, your worth to us is in what you produce, in what you make, in what you build. So here's a question for us. What do you do when what you do becomes who you are? What do you do when what you do becomes who you are? Isn't it interesting that we have a tendency to tie our value and our worth to what we do? We allow what we do to become our identity. I am a preacher. It's who I am. I am a teacher. It is who I am. I am a manager. It is who I am. I am a police officer. It is who I am. See, there's a problem. Eventually, what you do, you will no longer be capable of doing. What you've always done, what you've always known, has become who you are. And at some point, see, I I don't know a whole lot of things, but I do know this. At some point, you will not be able to do what you do. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but there is a lifespan to your life. There is an expect- There is a time when it will come to an end. And maybe it's not just in death. Maybe physically you cannot do what you once did. Mentally you cannot do what you once did. There is a day when what you do will cease. It will stop. And if who you are is tied to what you do, when what you do ends, you will have to create a new identity for yourself. See, there's some truths hidden deep within this story that I think are so applicable to us today. There's some truths about making bricks that you have to understand because they will affect the rest of your life. Here's the first one. There will always be a need for more bricks. Pharaoh never comes to a point and says, you know what? My kingdom, my country, my rule, my reign, my palace, it's big enough. I'm finished. There will always be a need to make more bricks. Second, there will always be the pressure to produce bigger and better. 
because what you have made now will not be good enough later. Because you'll build it and you'll put your sweat and your tears and your mind and your body into your work and you'll produce it and you'll say, here it is, it's done, it's finished. And someone will say, that's great for then, but now we need bigger and we need better. And here's the, here's the truth. You can never keep up. And the third truth is pretty simple. And it's something like, just fundamentally, we all know, but we forget, I think, every day that you don't get that time back. You, you produce bigger and better. The demands never stop. And as much work and as much energy and as much effort as you pour into it, you do not get the time back. You see, Israel was created to enjoy the creation that God had made. And they find themselves creating a world that other people are supposed to enjoy. They find themselves slaving and working with all that they have to build someone else's world that they get to enjoy, and they're told, you cannot rest. You don't get a break in this world because we have more palaces to build. We need more prisons. We need more places. We need a new iPhone. We need better computers. We need a better margin. We need more money. We need more production. And it never ends. And you work, and you work, and you work, and you work, and it says, God rested. He stopped creating. He, he stopped producing. And he simply was. Isn't it amazing how easy it is to fall into the trap of thinking your value and your worth is found in what you do? See, and, and guys, that's, that's kind of our nature. And I think for, for ladies, it's similar. But I think there's another thing in there, to be a mother. Like this is what you were called to do, and so many times we find our worth and our value and what our kids are becoming. See, here's the, the beautiful good news of the gospel. Your worth and your value is not found in what you do and what you produce. It is found in who you are. And that is a child of God. And we chase after the approval of the foreman we want to produce enough to have something to show, look how valuable 
I am. Look how many bricks I made today. Look how much straw I gathered. Look at what I'm building for you. And God simply says, I don't need you to create this world. I have been creating it and recreating it, but I am inviting you into the creation of this world. That we're creating this new world and you have been invited to be a part of it. That that your value and your worth is not found in what you produce. Because what happens is those foremans that were placed over them become functional gods. It becomes our sole desire to please them because of the reward or the punishment that we're going to get. We want with everything within us to make them happy. And see, here's the thing. When we see the world this way, life becomes a competition. It becomes a competition to get on top. It becomes a competition to beat whoever's alongside of you. It becomes a competition to be the best at what you do. Life is not a competition. It is a gracious gift. It is a blessing. And we compete and we compete and we compete trying to be better than the person next to us. And God says, I want you to be able to enjoy the creation. I I want you to slow. And that's the point of Sabbath. It's this moment where we stop and we realize the world exists apart from us. And then it's going to make it whether we're here or not. But we get to be a part of it. See, it's not don't work. It's work hard. Do what you do. Do what you love to do. Do what you're gifted at. Do what you're great at. Do it. Enjoy it. But stop. Now, now I'll, I'll confess. I don't like this sermon. Because I don't want to stop. And the reason I don't want to stop is because way too often I find my value and my worth and what I produce. See, I get to stand up here every single week and you get to see the little tower that I built. And if I'm really honest... I want you to like me more because of it. 
I want you to see this little tower I build. And when I get done building it and I get off and I'm, I'm tired and I've worked hard, and it's like the Jenga tower. The end of the game, when you pull out that final piece and the tower just comes crumbling down. And next week, start building again. And far too often, I place my worth and my value in that tower that I've built that week. But I'm sure that's probably not a problem for you. I'm sure for most of us, we don't place our value and our worth and what we produce. It's probably just me. But I think if we're honest, we all fall into that trap. And we define ourselves by what we have done, what we're doing, what we're producing. See, but there's a problem. At some point, what it is that you do, you will not be able to do anymore. One day my voice is going to give out. One day my mind is going to give, my body is going to give. I'm not going to be able to do this ever. And if my worth and my value and all of myself is placed into that, at some point I'm going to have to recreate my identity. And God never planned on you being what it is that you do. He never intended you to find your value and your worth in that. Because one day you will not be able to do it any longer. Or one day you're going to do it poorly and you're going to fail. You're going to forget. And what you produce won't be up to the expectations you have for yourself. Or won't be up to the expectation that someone else has for you. See, here's, here's the trick, and here's, here's where the tension lies. In the garden, there was this command to work the ground and take care of it, to cultivate the land. It wasn't just sit back and take it easy and not do anything. It was to work and work hard with your hands, but not to define yourself by what it is that you do. To be able to separate your worth and your value from your work. Jesus has this question that constantly comes up about the Sabbath. About what we can do and how we can work on the Sabbath. And there's this time where they're walking through these grain fields and Jesus, his disciples are hungry and they grab some food and they start eating the Pharisees and they, they have this problem like you're doing stuff on the Sabbath that you should not be doing. And Jesus looks at them in verse 25, he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. 
and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You remember the Sabbath was a blessing. God rested. He blessed the day and he made it holy. He separated it. He set it apart. And he said, I want you to enjoy this for you. Back around the time of Jesus, there was a, a philosopher, a Greek philosopher named Philo. And I want you to, to listen. You have that quote, Nathan, by Philo? There we go. On this day, this is what he tells the Romans who are mad that the, the Israelites are taking these breaks, that the Jews are breaking from their work. On this day, we are commanded to abstain from all work, not because the law inculcates slackness. Its object is rather to give man relaxation from continuous and unending toil by refreshing their bodies with a regularly calculated system of remissions to send them out renewed to their old activities. For a breathing spell enables not not merely ordinary people but athletes to also to collect their strength and with stronger force behind them to undertake promptly and patiently each of the tasks set before them. So here's, here's what Philo tells the Romans. That if these people can rest, they'll do the work better. But the problem is, this is Greek thinking. This is not Jewish thinking. See, the, the Greek is saying, hey, you need to stop and rest so that tomorrow you will be better than you were the day before. But for Jews, the Sabbath was, you need to stop and rest and enjoy this day because this is a day that God has given you. It is a blessing. It is a gracious gift. It is a day to simply be and know that God is God. See, it wasn't necessarily a day of worship. Yes, on Sabbath, the Jews would go to the synagogue, but they would do that every day. This was a day that was set apart, that was different. That was a day to rest, a day not to work and not to labor. And the Pharisees began putting all these hedges around it to make sure, well, you can only walk this far and you can only do this and you can only do this. And Jesus speaks to these men and he says, wait a minute. You were given this day for you. This day was intended for you, my people, and it was a blessing. It was a day to stop and to relax and to breathe and know that your worth and your value is not found in the number of bricks you produced. See, deep down, I think up here, We understand that. Yeah, yeah, I I get my value, my worth is not in what I produce. But right here, we kill ourselves. 
to make other people happy with what we produce. And it is a game that does not end. To my guess, that some of you come this morning tired and worn out. And even though you're here, your mind is not here. It's on what you have to produce tomorrow when you go back to work or even when you walk out of this building. Your, your value is tied to it, and you cannot let go. And the people that you report to have become gods because your desire above everything else is to please them and make them happy. But when you can no longer do what you once did, you will have to find a new God to put in their place. So this morning, we're going to end with a meal. And for those of you that are serving, if you want to go ahead and excuse yourself to the back to prepare for this. But we end with this meal and it's a meal that says to one another and to the people that first ate and drank that your value and your worth is not found in what you do. Your value, your worth is not found in what you produce. It's not found in the number of bricks you make it is simply found in the fact that you are a child of God. And so these plates that will be passed in just a moment, they're representation of your worth, of your value. This bread represents the body that was broken for you. This cup that we will drink represents the blood that was poured out for you. And we take it not having to prove ourselves to partake. Not having to show that we've done enough and made enough and built a big enough kingdom, that we've produced enough bricks, that we take it simply because Jesus laid down his life to give you life. And the world does not depend on you.